Uh, we are so excited to continue on our study through the book of Judges. And I tell you what, um, the more and more I learn and the more and more I study, the more and more I see myself in God's people through the book of Judges. Now, the last glimpse that we had of Samson was a man who finally seemed to be getting his act together. He finally seemed like he was clicking and he was getting his act together. Samson had humbled himself before God. Samson was crying out in prayer to the Lord and God delivered him from certain death through this incredible, incredible miracle. That part of his story ends with Samson leading God's people for over 20 years. After a period of grace and a period of grace, a peace, a period of uh, consistent service, Samson once again proves, yeah, he's got physical power over the enemies of God, but he also proves that he is a moral weakling when it comes to the power of his flesh. But we all have those areas, don't we? Let me rephrase that. We all have those areas, don't we? We all have those areas in our life that are most vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. We all have those areas in our walk with God where we are most prone to fail. Now, that area varies from person to person, from Christian to Christian. But whatever that sinful area is in your life, that is what's called your Achilles heel. That's called your Achilles heel. For Samson, his Achilles heel was women and immoral sexual relationships. For many others, their Achilles heel may be chasing after money, chasing after popularity or position or power. For some... Their Achilles heel is pride or lust or selfishness, perhaps gossip. Can I get a testimony? Maybe your Achilles heel is anger. But whatever that sin is for you, whatever that sin is for you, listen up. If you're not able to conquer it through the power of the Holy Spirit, it will lead to your downfall. That's the truth of Scripture speaking. Today's verses remind us of the great power that sin still has in our life. These verses also remind us that we never really defeat sin in our life. Sin always seems to be present. 
Sin always seems to be like a cobra setting up to strike us and to fill us with its deadly venom. And so today, we're going to be reminded that you and I as children of God need to be constantly vigilant to sin's power in our lives and sin's presence in our lives. We're also reminded that, get this guys, here we go. One moment of weakness. One moment of weakness can cause you to fall back into those old sinful habits that you thought were good and dead. Let's see how this applies to Samson's life. In Judges chapter 16, that's on page 233 in the Bibles in front of you. Judges chapter 16. I'm going to share with you just three verses today. Now this comes, as I mentioned, on the tale of God doing a mighty work through Samson. God, through Samson, killed thousands of Philistines, thousands of God's enemy, while he was using the jawbone of a donkey. And after this great victory, he judged Israel for 20 years of consistent service. But in verse 1 of chapter 16, listen to what happens Next, verse 1. Now Samson went to Gaza. Just so you know, Gaza was in enemy territory. So Samson went to Gaza, and look what he saw there. Samson saw a harlot there. What is a harlot? Say it if you know it. What is a harlot? Y'all need to learn to talk louder, man. This old man's getting deaf up here. Amen. What's a harlot? A prostitute. A person who sells sex for money. Samson went to Gaza. He saw a prostitute there, and he went into her. Verse 2, when the Gazites, the people of Gaza, were told that Samson had come here, They surrounded that place, the harlot's house. And they lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. Oh, they were quiet all night, saying, in the morning, when it is daylight, we'll kill him. Verse 3, and Samson lay low till midnight. And then he arose at midnight. He took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts. He pulled them up, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. Today, you're going to see along with me some lessons in Samson's life that can help you and I as we battle sins that so easily ensnare us. We begin there in verse 1 by seeing that Samson has defiled himself with a Gazite harlot. He has defiled himself with a prostitute from Gaza. In the very first verse, 
we discover reasons why Samson fell back into his old sinful life. The first of which is Samson got involved in the wrong address. The Bible says that Samson went to Gaza. He went into enemy territory. And what you need to know about that is that Gaza was, yes, a Philistine city that was known for immorality. It was known, friend, for wickedness. It was known for idolatry. In other words, Gaza was no place for a man of God. See, it does matter. It does matter where you spend your time. If you are constantly in places where you are surrounded by sin, if you are constantly flirting in enemy territory, if you are constantly in places that tempt you to sin, listen... You are setting yourselves up for a fall. For instance, if you are or were an alcoholic, or if you are genetically predisposed to alcoholism, then you need to be avoiding bars and clubs, beer and liquor stores. If you have been or are addicted to drugs, you need to avoid places where drugs are sold. And you need to avoid the people who sell them and use them. If lust is your problem, then you need to be very careful about what you view online and what you watch on TV. In Samson's case... You can't be in enemy territory looking at harlots. Amen. If you have problems with gossip, you need to watch who you're talking to. And you need to watch who you're texting with. And you need to watch who you're posting on Facebook with. All this is saying, as Christians, as children of God... We have got to watch our address. We've got to watch where we hang out. Otherwise, we're going to end up just like Samson. But that wasn't his only problem. Not only did he get involved in the wrong address, he also got involved in the wrong attractions. While he was in Gaza, the Bible says that Samson saw a harlot there. Why did he see a harlot there? Could it be that he was looking for a harlot there? Many great men have been led into sin by the things they looked at. If you don't guard your eyes, men and women, if you don't guard your eyes, you may very well allow things into your mind that may tempt you to sin. You see... Sinful images enter in through our eyes, find themselves captured in our minds, and it ain't long at all before they make their way to our heart.
And there they find a lodging place. That's why we got to guard our eyes all the time. And watch about hanging out in the wrong address and paying attention to the wrong attraction. But Samson also got involved in the wrong alliances. We're told that Samson went into her. Samson went in to the harlot's house. Now when I read that, you know one thing I, I, I'm, I'm just drawn to is this wasn't an accident. This was not an accident. He didn't fall into sin. Samson didn't get tripped up by sin. Samson didn't get overtaken by the snare of the enemy. No. Samson was in the wrong place looking at the wrong thing and as a result, he was his own worst enemy. Listen. It's not God's fault that you sin. It's not God's fault that you fail. Did you know you can't even blame Satan all the time when you fail? Many times, most times, we are the reason for our own failures. Why? Because we go to the wrong places, we look at the wrong things, and we hang out with the wrong people. Listen carefully. And if you don't get anything else that I say today, please get this. You cannot keep company with defiled people and not be defiled yourself. You cannot keep constant company with defiled people without being defiled yourself. The people that you surround yourself with they're the ones that are going to influence your thinking. The people that you surround yourself with, those are the ones that are going to affect your actions far more than you'll ever realize. That's why we always got to guard where we're going, what we're doing, and with whom we're hanging with. Samson had that problem, and he ended up defiling himself. With that prostitute from Gaza. But we also learn in verse 2 that Samson's enemies discover his weakness. Verse 2, read it with me. When the Gazites were told that Samson's come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night, saying in the morning, when it is daylight, we will kill him. So, while he's in with the harlot, Samson's enemies discover that the enemy's leader is in town. The Gazites discover that Israel's leader is hanging out in town. And they set a trap to capture him. Samson thought that he could come sneak in to Gaza, have his immoral fun, and then sneak right on out. Samson never dreamt in a million years that he'd get caught. But then again, neither do we. Neither do we. These Philistines, 
have a lot to teach us. They have a lot to teach us about how Satan uses our own sin and our own inclinations to set us up for a fall. Let me give you a couple pictures. These Philistines, first of all, they teach us about sin's surrounding work. The Philistines surrounded that place and they laid a trap for Samson's capture. You see, that is exactly the way sin works. That is exactly the way sin works. Sin is a lot like a boa constrictor. That boa constrictor will strike, then it'll wrap itself around you and bind you, and it will squeeze and squeeze until there's no more life left in you. Diseases. Addictions, financial loss, ruined relationships, destroyed families, shattered trust, depression, even imprisonment are all things, all ways that sin binds our lives and brings about destruction and pain. The life of sin, friend, is not this life of freedom and reckless abandon that most people think that it is. No, the life of sin is a life surrounded by profound bondage and loss. But these Philistines also teach us about sin's steady work. Notice this. The Philistines laid in wait for him all night all night they were patient as they waited for him they were patient as they waited for him to leave that harlot's house how many of you know that sin is also patient that sin is patient in the way that it works in our life most times that sin kind of keeps a low profile for a while. It keeps a low profile until you're hopelessly entangled in its web. And most times, sinners don't always feel the trap closing in around them. But sin is patient. And at the right time, that trap will close. It will ensnare the sinner and destroy him. And by the time they realize that they're stuck in their trap, it's too late. Ask the alcoholic about the sting they find at the bottom of the liquor bottle. Ask the AIDS victim who feels the sting that is linked to a homosexual lifestyle. Ask the promiscuous girl who feels pain because she knows she'll never experience the joy of motherhood because of a sexually transmitted disease. 
ask the criminal who is sitting behind bars, just ask him if there's a price to pay for sin. Y'all, it may take a while. It may take a while, but eventually, sin always plays its hand. Sin always springs its trap. And the sinner always pays a terrible price. So the time to change is now. The time to change is now. The time to escape the bondage of sin is now. Get out now while there's time. Get away from that surrounding sin. Get away from that steady, patient sin. But these Philistines also teach us about sin's silent work. Did you notice the Bible said that those Philistines were quiet all night long? Samson had no clue they were coming after him. Samson had no clue they were lying in wait to capture him. But that's the same way sin works. That's the subtle nature of sin. The nature of sin leads people to think, get this, that they can have sinful pleasures with no consequences. That's the way sinners think. I can do this. There'll be no consequences for me. So in other words, sin will flat out lie to you. Sin will flat out lie to you. You probably see the lies often. Makers of beer and booze advertise how fun alcohol use is. Birth control commercials teach people how to commit fornication without the side effects of unwanted pregnancy. The lottery and casinos always busy telling you how you can get rich quick. You ain't got to work. You can get rich quick by going to the casino. But the facts tell a different story, don't they? Sin never tells the truth. It's always lying. Sin never tells you about ruined health that alcoholism provides. Sin never tells you about empty wallets and destroyed lives. Sin never tells you about ruined marriages and broken homes. Sin never tells you about shattered dreams and all those wasted years that it leaves in its wake. These Philistines teach about sin's surrounding work about its steady work, and also about its silent work. But finally, these Philistines also teach about sin's slaying work. Philistines said, when it's daylight, then we'll kill him. Then we'll kill him. You see, friend, death was the plan for Samson. Proverbs 16, 25, the Bible says that there is a way that seems right to man, but in its end, 
is the way of death. I'll bring this into a nutshell for you. Sin is a killer. Are you hearing me, church? Sin is a killer. It's a killer. It kills joy. It kills peace. It kills relationships. It kills marriages. It kills hopes. It kills even churches. And listen, sin can even kill you. Sin can kill you if you don't escape through the redeeming power of Jesus Christ. So after Samson defiled himself with this prostitute from Gaza, and his enemies discovered his sinful weakness, finally we see that God steps in. God steps in and Samson is delivered only by the grace of God. Look in verse 3. And Samson lay low till midnight. And then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city, and the two gate posts pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders, and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. So the Philistines laid their trap to capture Samson. They laid their trap because they were going to kill Samson. But if it weren't for the grace of God, if the Lord had not intervened, Samson would have been dead meat that morning. But I want you to notice how the grace of God was applied to Samson's life yet again and how God delivered him from this sinful situation that he put himself in. First of all, Samson was delivered by God's power. It wasn't Samson's power. It was God's power. Samson woke up. He got up. He went out. He ripped up the post and the whole gate assembly from the entrance of the town. He put them on his shoulders and he traveled 38 miles to the city of Hebron. Now, why did he take up the gates? Because the gates are what protected Gaza from its enemies. So he was removing the barriers from Gaza from its enemies. That, friend, is an astounding feat of strength. Ripped him up. Carried him some 38 miles to Hebron. So this is an amazing display of physical strength. And it is impressive, yes. But you know, it's also an amazing display of moral weakness that is absolutely disgusting. He had no business even being there. So regardless of how strong you may appear on the outside, I want to tell you this morning, it's the content of what's in here, in your heart, that matters to God. Samson was delivered not because he deserved it. He was delivered because the grace of God desired it. God knew what he had in store for Samson. So Samson was delivered not only by God's power, but also by God's pardon. You see, in Samson's deliverance, we see the grace of God in action. Janet and I were talking just yesterday. And I began to recollect the times that my sin had gotten me into some pretty bad circumstances. And had it not been for the grace of God, I would kill myself and who knows who else. 
all because of my sin. Why was it? It wasn't me. It was only the grace of God. This is the grace of God in action. Samson deserved to be caught and killed by his enemies. I deserved to die many times over. Samson deserved to reap what he had sown for years. Samson deserved the discipline and the judgment of Almighty God. But it was the grace of God that alerted Samson to this Philistine plot. It was the grace of God that enabled Samson to escape before they could realize that he was gone. It was the grace of God that allowed Samson to get away from that sinful situation that he put himself in, in one piece. It was nothing but the grace of God. But listen, while God is indeed merciful to us, and while God does pour out His grace on us, Samson is about to find out that God ain't always going to rescue him from his sinful consequences. Samson's about to find out that there's an end of the road where God is not going to rescue him from the sinful behaviors that he's doing. He's about to find out that discipline's coming. And with that discipline is going to come much suffering and much hardship. You see, when we treat God like a doormat, and I've been guilty, when we treat God like a doormat, when we live like we want to live, when we live as we please, thinking, oh, God will never judge us. God will never judge me. You are setting yourself up for disaster. Disaster. Because there's going to come a day. There's going to come a day when God's patience will be exhausted and the full force of your sinful choices is going to come raining down on your head. Woe to us if we let it go that far. So if Samson teaches us anything at all, His life teaches us that as children of God, we must constantly be on guard in our lives. If this whole story, this whole series of sermons teaches us anything, it teaches us that we have got to shield our lives, y'all. We have got to shield our lives from any influence that might lead us away from God's amazing grace. Because one day his patience will be exhausted. And it's come down. It'll come down. So watch the places you go. Watch the things that you give your attention to. Watch the people that you associate with. Because if sin 
is allowed to sink its fangs into your life, it'll wrap around you and it will bind you up until it chokes the life right out of you. It will not stop until it's destroyed you. And you say, well, as long as it doesn't hurt my family, it can destroy me. But it will destroy you and everything and everybody you love. So the time to kill the serpent of sin is right now. Don't leave here unless it's dead. The time is now. And friend, if the Lord is reaching out to you this morning about the way you've been living your life, if the Lord is reaching out to you now uh, about your need just to come and pray to get the help and the protection that you need, I want to tell you that this altar is the place to do it. You don't have to leave here the same condition you came in. This is a great place to respond to the way that God is speaking to you today. And if you're not a part of the family of God, I've got some good news from Peter for you. He wrote that the Lord is not slack concerning His promises as some count slackness. But He is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any, say any, that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That all should change their mind about their lifestyle, about their sin, and come in alignment with what God has in store for your life. Friend, listen, God, He's been waiting for you. God is waiting still. And I'll tell you that God will wait. But judgment day is coming. There will be a day of judgment. So I want to encourage you that if you don't have a relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ, don't put it off. Today is the day of salvation. Let me pray for you.